episode 21. We're doing a guest chat, foster care awareness. This is a podcast full of the honest, dirty, tiring, and funny things that come with being a mom to boys. We love it. Most days. And for the days we aren't sure what the heck we are doing, we have each other. We are Jessica. And Anicia. We are Ladies Raising Lads. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay. Hi. So we've invited our friend um, Lindsay here. She is a mom to so many, and she just (laughs) keeps growing. She is sitting here with this beautiful pregnant belly. She's going to have number six? Five. Five. No, five. Five. Don't jump ahead. I'm sorry. Only five. Okay. (laughs) Are you going to do six? I can't. I can't. I can't for... I can't answer that, but I think we're good. I think we're Five's good. Five is a lot. Five is a lot. I told my husband in the first trimester with this one, because this one's been the hardest one. I said, pretty sure Yeah. I think we're going to be done after this. Yeah. Okay. So this makes number five. Some of your children obviously are biological, yes. and some of them are not. So yes. tell us about your family and all of your cute little kiddos. Okay, so um, Nathan and I have been married for almost eight years, and we do have a large family. When people see us um, and they ask how old we are, we get really funny looks because we're kind of young to have that many kids. Yeah. And the ages of our kids. Yeah. And the gaps between our kids. So um, Emily turns eight in June, and Gabe just turned five, and then we have JB, who is four, Bo, who turns three next month, and then this baby is due next month. So um, she's actually going to be born, and then three days later is Bo's birthday. So we have a lot of a lot going on there. So our oldest two, Emily and Gabe, we adopted through foster care in Arkansas, and then actually right in the middle of that process, found out we were pregnant with JB. So Gabe and JB are eight months apart. So they're practically twins mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And then when J- on JB's very first birthday, we found out we were pregnant with Bo, which was a huge shock. Um, so, so were either of those planned? The pregnancies? Uh-huh. So we had been trying to get pregnant with JB for about two years mm-hmm. um, and then had some issues trying to get pregnant and saw a fertility specialist. And so yes and no. We were mm-hmm. shocked that we were finally pregnant, mm-hmm. um, but not shocked in the sense that we really wanted to grow our family. So and it, you probably were not actively trying not to have children. Right. Exactly. Right. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. If, you're, if you're not actively trying to not have children, Exactly. Exactly. Yes. You guys have been in here, Oklahoma, for how long? Almost two years. It'll be two years next month. So your foster care agency is in Arkansas. Yes. Are they a nationwide thing, or is that are those usually like typically local? 
So foster care agencies are different state to state, and it's actually really interesting when we moved here. I feel like I had a lot to learn about the foster system in Oklahoma and still have a lot to learn because it's so different than in Arkansas. Interesting. Yes. So... I'm not really sure which one. I don't know that you could say one is better than the other. Mm -hmm. In Arkansas, um, if you want to foster, you basically have two, a couple of options, and you can go through directly through DHS, or you can go through what's called the call, which is what we went through. And so the call is basically a Christian organization that partners with churches in hopes of bringing in families from the church to step in and foster. Okay. So that's basically, it's very similar to some of the agencies Mm -hmm. here, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot more agencies. There's a lot more agencies in Oklahoma. Um, And I had no idea because all I knew was the one that we were a part of in Arkansas and it is statewide. Um, So there's smaller organizations throughout the state based on your county, but overall it is one organization. Gotcha. So then in Oklahoma, you've got all kinds of agencies. Oh, yeah. You know, for every different type of people group and, you know, your interests and what your family likes. And so it's very different. Yeah. So one of my questions was really, how do you choose an agency? Mm -hmm. And you may not be able to provide a lot of insight since you didn't really have the option. You didn't really have options to choose from. Yeah. So So, of what you know from Oklahoma mm -hmm. and the different types of agencies here, can you give some sort of insight for anybody who would be trying to decide between particular agencies? Yeah, yeah. So when we moved here, leaving Arkansas, we were very involved with the call, which was the agency there in Arkansas. And we were very involved with them. We trained foster families and we um, recruited foster families. So we left a very involved, um, you know, that was a huge passion of ours to come here and not know anything about, you know, how it how it um, happened in Oklahoma. So I did reach out to a couple of people when we first moved here just to kind of get an explanation mm-hmm. on how all this works. Um, and one of the the first resources that someone pointed me to was the 111 Project. Okay. I don't know if you guys have heard mm-hmm. of Mm-mm. them, um, based here in Oklahoma City. And their job is basically to be this umbrella of um, resources. And so, you know, you can go to the 111 Project and they'll kind of point you in the right direction um, as far as agencies go, organizations that you might want to be involved with based on your lifestyle, your interests, your family. And so that's. That was one of the first resources I was told about, just to, to use that um, to find where is the best agency for you. But as far as some of the agencies that I have heard of, that we have kind of partnered with, with some of our other activities, I think that the best thing to do is just start online, um, to start, yeah. you know, check out the websites, and then just kind of look at your family and what you value um, because I think that's the biggest difference between each each agency is that they're just they're trying to work with specific groups of people so you know if you're if you're wanting to I think there are you know Native American agencies mm-hmm. and there are mm-hmm. Christian agencies and actually a couple months ago I had someone tell me she was very interested in fostering but she wasn't a believer and but she wanted to help and I was told her, you know, that's great. You know, you can, you can still do that. Right. Um, but she was concerned about 
partnering with an agency that required certain beliefs. Mm-hmm. And so there are other agencies that don't. So Excellent. starting online, I think, is the best way That's to, good. to find. As a lawyer, I just want to point out to you, like, the state doesn't care. Yeah. The state <laughs> absolutely doesn't care if you're a Christian or not. They just right. want to help kids get into homes and not get into places. Right. And so what we're talking about is an agency that helps facilitate that process. Yes. And not one that makes the determination because the state ultimately still has the determination. Right. And these agencies are just kind of the in-between. They're Mm -hmm. kind of the... To, to cut out some of the issues that go along with the paperwork and the processing and, and everything. So it's super helpful to have mm-hmm. that in-between help. So tell us about that, the process, the paperwork, the hoops you kind of have to jump through, yeah. and really just your experience in Arkansas. I'm sure that can kind of relate to people in Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we started training um, in January of 2003. 13, I'm trying to, 14, 14. <laughs> all the years run together with yes. all the kids. Yes. Um, 2014. And um, so we started in January and then we were an open foster home in by May. I do think the process is quicker here in Oklahoma because there are more agencies. There are, um, it, it's just, um, I don't know if it's better or organized or or there's just a difference there with having more hands to help Mm -hmm. and so we have several friends who are foster families current open foster families and it only took them a little over a month to get Mm -hmm. open here in Oklahoma which is awesome in the sense that you know they can file families through which is more help and Mm -hmm. you know meets more needs one thing I do I did really value about um, our training in Arkansas is that it was, I felt like it was very in-depth. So we spent two full weekends, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, training through the foster care curriculum, basically, that Arkansas requires you to go through. And you have um, to take a test? You do not have to take a test. Oh, okay. No test. <laughs> but you do have to sit through, I want to say it was 60 hours of training, which sounds really overwhelming. But it's so interesting because you're you're basically learning the ins and outs of why, how kids end up in foster care, why they act the way they do, Mm -hmm. um, you know, why birth families struggle with certain things. It's, it is extremely interesting. So it's, it's not 60 hours of just staring at a wall. Do you have like people coming to teach you? Yes. And it's like different speakers kind of thing? Okay. Yeah. So that's how in, in Arkansas we had, they were three hour sessions and for every three hours, there was a different person. And and that person was usually, um, some of them were advocates, some of them were DHS workers, some of them were um, employees of the agency, the call in Arkansas. And and so they all had specific, basically had their specific niche that they mm-hmm. were knowledgeable in. And so, you know, some of the, the trainings ranged from how to handle discipline with foster mm-hmm. kids and how to handle um, trauma if you have a kid who has experienced extreme trauma. Mm-hmm. And then the basic ins and outs of how do you take your normal life and transform it into a foster life mm-hmm. um, as far as, you know, how do you communicate that to your friends and your family mm-hmm. and um, so it was super helpful training. Um, I think the training here is a little bit different. It's more condensed. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's two days. It's very quick. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I have, is good and bad. Get through it quicker. But I feel like the training that we had in Arkansas, was it, it was extremely helpful. It prepared us in a lot of ways 
for what was coming, although you can't always be prepared. So you got your approval in May. Yes. And then how long before you had a placement? Two weeks. Holy moly. Yeah. Now, ours was a little bit different. So we got our paperwork in and started training in January. And then we... Thankfully, this community that we were placed in with through the call in Arkansas, um, we got to know a lot of other families who were fostering or adopting or both. And um, so we met a family through that process, and it was actually the family that our daughter was in their home as a foster child. Oh. So, so we actually got to know her throughout that spring, and her rights were um, terminated. Birth mom had had another baby, which is Gabe, our, our oldest son. So they were going to need to be adopted. The foster family they were with was amazing. They were incredible. They were also taking care of some family members. And so um, they were not going to be able to adopt them. But obviously really had a heart for these kids. They had raised our daughter for a year and a half. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... And so they, you know, wanted to know the foster, the family that was going to adopt them. And so they basically kind of gave a recommendation to DHS that, you know, could they be placed with the Brewers? Because we knew, we got to know them, we right. knew her. We had a relationship. Yeah, there was a relationship there. Mm-hmm. Which, in looking back, is the craziest thing because that honestly means nothing to DHS. Right. You know, the, it really doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's, it's whatever works out in the system, you know, with the matching that goes Mm -hmm. on in their system and what works best for their current openings. And it has nothing to do with what other people say. So it really is, I mean, we sit back all the time and just say like, it was the sovereignty of the Lord that placed them in our house. Um, because I, it, I got chills on my legs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Ooh. It really is. It really is. And, and we, I mean, we spent two months just kind of waiting and waiting for our paperwork to go through and be finalized. And um, once we had our training, we had to do the home study mm-hmm. where they come in and basically ask you every question about your life and your raising. And, you know, they inspect every inch of your house and, you know, all the things, um, which I'm just going to let everybody know I would fail. <laughs> you, you think you would fail, no, I would but fail. it's really, <laughs> I, <laughs> I was actually surprised at how, um, you know, the, the lady who came to do our home study was super kind. I think people worry about that, obviously, because you do have to go through a home study. It's not one of those things where they come in your house and they're like, oh, no, you can't be a foster parent because, you know, there's dust on your um, fan because I promise <laughs> She's you. She's worrying about dust. I'm worrying about the kids' oatmeal that's on the table still this morning. <laughs> They're, they're realistic, but, you know, they do give you pointers as far as, like, safety goes. and But that took a, it took a while, and so we were just in this waiting game. Um, but we found out we were open at the beginning of May, and then once we were open, they made the decision to place Emily and Gabe in our home. So they came to us the day after Mother's Day in 2014. Oh, wow. So, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a That's great really gift. Cool. Yeah, it was really exciting. We got to tell my, um, obviously my parents knew, uh, but my grandparents, we got to tell my grandma on Mother's Day that, hey, we're having, we're having family. two kids plus one on the way. Tomorrow. <laughs> Tomorrow. So, yeah, Emily was, she was almost three and Gabe was three months old. 
Wow. So that's amazing. Yeah. So you you kind of went into the foster process wanting mm-hmm. to adopt. Yeah. Or were so, you wanting to foster? Because there, I mean, there's, there's a, a difference. difference. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually funny. I, my husband and I have always wanted to adopt both individually before we even knew each other. My husband used to try and convince his parents to adopt all the time. And <laughs> I, I wanted to, I had this dream of adopting Chinese twins, like from China. I don't See, know where so that funny. came from. Mine but. were Ukrainian twins. Yeah. Girls I, that were oh, going to be gymnasts someday. It's just, <laughs> oh my Lord. That's the way to do it, right? right? <laughs> gymnasts. <laughs> Yeah, so I had always dreamed of adopting, um, and honestly, I don't know where that came from. Nobody in my family had been adopted. Nobody has adopted in our mm-hmm. family, but that was just always something very close to my heart, orphan care, and I think, honestly, I don't know where it came from, but so my husband and I always wanted to adopt, but if you know anything about adoption laws in the um, United States and even in other countries, there's age limits, and so... In the United States, you have to be 25 to adopt, you know, from an agent or a, a private adoption agency or anywhere outside of foster care. And then in other countries, that age limit is higher. You know, some countries require you to be 35. So that was just a very far off dream for me because we got married when we were 21. And, you know, mm-hmm. we were those crazy people at 22. We were like, okay, let's start our family now. And so it's foster not care. crazy. Yeah. It's not crazy. I, I guess it's not. When I, you have the heart for it, it's not crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, it wasn't ever crazy to us. It was, <laughs> that was just, you know, other people thought we were crazy. But So foster care was never on my radar. Um, never wanted anything to do with it. It was too messy, too scary, mm-hmm. too much hurt, mm-hmm. too much unknown. Um, anytime I would talk about wanting to adopt and having to wait till I was 25, there was a girl we went to college with who was... Um, actually grew up in the foster system and she would always remind me well you can foster you can you can take care of kids right now and I would always just kind of like nicely be like eh, that's not that's really not for me that's not my calling <laughs> I can't do that also, and, isn't it surprising how God is like no this is your oh, calling yeah. and you will do it <laughs> yeah and it may take two years for you to say yes to it but yes it's exactly yeah. right So through just kind of a sequence of events uh, throughout our first couple of years of marriage, I basically spent two years, uh, you know, giving all the excuses why we couldn't foster. You know, I was teaching and who would watch the baby during the day or, or, you know, what if we got a placement in the middle of the night and, you know, how would we make this work basically? And I finally came to the point, it was Thanksgiving 2013 and I had seen I think they do these in Oklahoma too but in Arkansas mm-hmm. they do the a place to call home mm-hmm. stories mm-hmm. and I had seen one of those stories and it was a sibling group of three and it just like rocked my world and of course they were looking for a family to adopt those kids but I for the first time realized that those kids were in a foster home they needed to be taken care of right now mm-hmm. and it just kind of hit me for the first time that okay we are actually supposed to do this. And so I just I told Nathan, I said, this is what we're supposed to do. And I think we need to, you know, go through the training. And, you know, he was hesitant too, but was was definitely on board um, with checking it out. So that's kind of how we got into it. So really, honestly, going through the training, um, my mind, our minds were really on actually fostering. And we of course would have loved to adopt, but that we really were just wanting to be a foster home. 
But it's also funny how I feel like when you step out in obedience and do what you're supposed to do, that then the Lord makes a way for the desires of your heart. And that was what happened. Not to say that that's what's going to happen every time that you step out in obedience, but in this case it did. Um, So we opened our home as a foster home, and then Emily and Gabe came to our home, and they were our only placements because we went went to adoption by the end of the year so we um they were officially brewers in december so that's amazing yeah that's really amazing yeah have you talked about fostering again yes yes we actually and there was let's see about a year we'd had our kids for about a year and arkansas had a massive um foster care crisis just a huge influx of kids came came in in the middle of one summer summertime is there is a big um, influx of kids coming into care because there's no school no school and no supervision and um all of the things that can happen yes so at that point you know we were working with the call trying to gather as many foster families as possible you know can you take these kids and so at that point We had pretty much decided we were going to open our home again. I had convinced Nathan that we could take, you know, like a school-age kid. Because, of course, at that point I had a four-year-old, four, two, no, maybe not even that, four, one, and like nine months. Yeah, that's right, four, one, and nine months. And so we couldn't add another toddler to the mix. Um, (laughs) So I had convinced him that we could open our home and have a school-aged kid. And um, anyways, a couple weeks later, we found out we were pregnant again. Oh. So that ended up not, we ended up not opening our home again. But we would love to foster again one day. Currently, our house uh, has too many children in it, and Mm -hmm. (laughs) we don't meet the requirements. Um, There are kind of limits as far as ages and square footage in your house and gotcha yeah so which is good there needs to be uh, standards for that but so at this point we would not be able to open our home as a foster home but we we would love to foster especially once our kids get a little bit older Mm -hmm. um one of the the aspects of our family i feel like is just openness with our kids so um emily and gabe know that they were adopted um it's kind of just common conversation in our house it's not something that we're like every day you were adopted you know mm-hmm. it's it comes out in, in common conversations um i've been pregnant this is the third time i've been pregnant and so conversation about who's in your belly was i in your belly you know those kinds of mm-hmm. conversations come mm-hmm. up a lot and so i would love to foster again one day just so that they could be a part of it mm-hmm. that they could see you know this is what we did this is why we did it this is our heart for this and just to let them kind of see tangibly their story a little yeah. bit which every every situation is different and every story is different but it would at least allow them to just kind of be a part of it so so emily is now eight yes yeah, she turns eight in june i have two questions regarding yeah. her number one how excited is she to have a little sister <laughs> i mean she has three little brothers and now the new baby is going to be a little sister is beyond excited as soon as we found out we were pregnant she started praying for a girl and i <laughs> like legitimately praying in the sense that i was very worried that if it wasn't mm-hmm. a girl, like if it was a boy what is this going to do to her prayer life <laughs> and, <laughs> um and, and what is she gonna think you know mm-hmm. um but so yes yeah, so she prayed for a girl 
and she was ecstatic. Um, she oh, has picked out matching outfits. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, are the matching outfits coming? Yes, she has picked out matching outfits, which she's eight, so I feel like she's probably going to outgrow the cutesy stuff soon, but... She might not. Adding in a baby sister, it's like all of a sudden she wants to wear bows again, and she wants to, you know, Aww. be all cute. So she's very excited. Okay, so my second question about Emily, she's she's old enough now to have some harder conversations yes. about her past. Yes. What has that been like? Has she brought things up? Yeah. And what what is your experience trying to explain things to her? Yeah. So we really have tried to follow her lead on that. Um, of course, yeah. It's, it's not something we've ever just brought up, like we're going to sit down and have this serious conversation. And mm-hmm. um, we want it to be natural and we want it to be comfortable for her. She's kind of an internalizer, so she's not necessarily one that thinks with her words. Mm-hmm. Um, she'll ponder something for a really long time before she'll ever say anything about it. Um, but because we lived in the same town as her previous foster family, we still saw them. We still spent time with them. Um, they had a, a daughter the same age as Emily, and so we they took dance classes together. So we kind of tried to make that transition as smooth as possible <laughs> so that she could still be around them. So she remembers them. Um, she's starting to forget kind of certain memories. You know, it's starting to fade a little bit, mm-hmm. but she still remembers the fa- that family. So she has pictures of them. We have a picture book of her time with them, and she loves to show it to the boys, and she'll say, this is, you know, I don't think she remembers the exact events, but she'll say, this is when, you know, I had my elbow birthday birthday party. And mm-hmm. um, so she'll talk about, about them. Now, as far as her birth family goes, she was removed from her home when she was 16 months old. So oh, she has so. no memory of, of that part of her life. So that's been really interesting to kind of walk through because I haven't known how to approach that. You know, how right, do you say... Right. You remember these people, but before them, there were other people. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you explain that? So, just recently, Mm -hmm. and it's crazy how they just figure these things out on their own. Mm -hmm. Um, We were driving down the road, and Gabe, our, um, Gabe and Emily are biological brother and sister, Mm so... He said something about Maggie being in my belly, and then he said, remember when I was in your belly? And anytime that comes up, we just always kind of really carefully, you know, redirect. Well, remember, you weren't in mommy's belly. We, Mommy got to adopt you, but we do always kind of point out their birth mom will say, you know, you were in Ruth's belly. And... And he's fine with that. You know, he just moves right on. He's five. And so he doesn't, he's not to the point where she is yet. But Emily's sitting there and I could see the wheels just kind of turning. And for the first time ever, she said, so that's our real mom. And she put it together that if they were in Ruth's belly, then Ruth is their real mom. And so it really caught me off guard because a, she's not one that just verbalizes things mm-hmm. right away. She has to think on them. And so she, she's been thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. And then, you know, you always get that, it's that predicament of, what wording do I use? Like, right. I'm your real mom. <laughs> she's your birth mom. What <laughs> labels do I use? Right. Yeah. yeah. And so I did. I just kind of said, you know, Ruth was your birth mom. You were in her belly. And, and then she added in... She said, Brandy was my foster mom, which is the family that mm-hmm. took care of them. And and then I always, anytime those conversations come up, I just always say, and I'm your mommy forever. We try to really 
kind of nail in that forever. Yeah. Um, because there have been times, not as many now, but when she was younger, when she would kind of, everything was so up in the air for her that she would say, you know, like, one specific time she, she said, well, where's my next home going to be? You know, when she first, like within the first six months that she had been in our, our home. Mm-hmm. And so always just trying to drive in that forever. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is interesting navigating those conversations and I don't know the best way to do it. We're just kind of following their lead and answering well, I'm their sure questions. It, it might be different when Gabe brings these yeah. things up. Number one, Girl versus boy. Yes. And number two, just the differences in personalities. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, we're a podcast about boy moms. (laughs) Yes. And you have plenty. (laughs) And you have plenty of boys who are all right there together. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're so close. Yes. And... Every time I see you, you're just handling everything with such grace. <laughs> you, I mean, seriously. Uh, God I, has given you so much grace in this parenting. I was like, I just want to be like her. Somebody said something about that the other day, and I said, just put a nanny cam in my house. Like, <laughs> I mean, I promise. There's there's plenty of, of times of oh, utter frustration. Yeah. Yeah, so they're five, four, and almost three. And we have hit, I don't know if y'all have hit that. I'm sure you have. That stage of just like wanting to wrestle twenty four seven. Oh yeah, they can't keep their hands off each no, other. No, no, and they it's fight, but they're in a. It's not anger fighting most of the time. Yeah, but then something happens and one of them gets yes. hurt, and then they are anger yes. fighting. And I'm like, no, I'm just done. I'm going yes. to the other room. Yeah, so <laughs> don't Gabe, kill each other. Gabe and JB are in that phase right now, which in some, you know, my husband has read this book about um, raising little boys, and I actually, oh, I wish I had. Yeah thought to look at the name. I'm trying to think of what it's called. I will have to tell you yeah, because yeah. y'all would love it. Okay. Um, but it basically walks through the ages and stages and how like this is appropriate for boys even when we want to try to not make it appropriate. Right. So like mm-hmm. fighting with sticks and playing in the mud and you know um, any kind of honestly any kind of fighting. They basically take fighting in every stage and tell you like why this is good and how to make it positive. (laughs) I know it's not appropriate for school, but this is why they're doing it. I know. There's a reason. And so my husband loves this book. And so I can see kind of the the good sides of it are uh, JB is a whole lot more sensitive than Gabe. Gabe is like tough as nails, fearless, you know, and then JB is kind of the more, he's more like me. He's kind of reserved and and not as uh, the the tough. The, he gets he gets hurt. He's the one who gets hurt first, basically. Okay. So, um, but it has been good in the sense that he has gotten tougher, mm-hmm. and he can endure the the fighting and the mm-hmm. wrestling a little bit more. But yeah, that's something I almost have to like walk out of the room mm-hmm. and not be a part of mm-hmm. because my first instinct is to say, "Go to your corners, go away from each other." Right. Yeah. But. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's part of it. I started just dropping that. If you get hurt, do not come talk to me. Okay, see, I do that too. And I. Because you know that this is going to lead there. Like, you are very aware. So if you get hurt, you're going to have to learn to self soothe. Yes, I have basically lost all sympathy when Mm -hmm. it comes to Mm -hmm. getting injured. (laughs) Um, I'm sure some people, if they saw me, they'd be like, wow, you're like really hard hearted. But it's just part of it. Like, if you're Mm going to choose to do that, Mm -hmm. then you're going to have to be okay with. It's hurt. natural consequences. Yeah. I'm so big about natural consequences. Just, I mean, with 
children in general. We were at a park yesterday, and there is, like, a retaining wall that goes up mm-hmm. to, like, a different entry into the playground. Um, oh, I know what park you were at. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, and Davis is up there on this big retaining wall, and the retaining wall is a good five feet high at mm-hmm. one point. And he's sitting on the side of the wall, and I see a mom just kind of, like, freaking out that there's a little boy sitting there. Right. And so I just looked over, and I was like, Davis, I don't think this is a good idea. You could fall, and you could really get hurt. Right. If you choose to continue to sit there, this could happen. Yeah. It's your choice. And I let him decide when he had had enough and when he wanted to get down. Yeah. Because... They're at the point where... They have to learn that. They have to gain some independence, Mm -hmm. and they're going to be to the point where we're not going to be watching them all the time. Mm -hmm. So just being that voice in their head when we're not there of, oh, yeah, mom told me once that this was not a good idea. Maybe I should listen to her again. Yeah. And But letting them make the conscious decision. I think if you go over there and removed him... He's like, oh, I'm going to do it again. And then it becomes a game instead of being like, right. listen, this is what could happen. Like, now my sons don't sit in a chair together anymore because the one time they did, one broke his arm. So Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Natural consequences to me are very important. And, I mean, he could have fallen and he could have broken an arm or whatever. And that would have hurt. It would have It would have been a but traumatic. But he would have learned his lesson. Tra- and exactly. Yeah. Way more than if I would have just protected him and shielded him yeah. or not let him make his own decision about it. And so when we've had wrestling matches and, you know, I'll be in the kitchen and I can hear it happening and somebody starts to get angry, that's usually my cue to step in. And here lately... My husband's been like, no, let's let them see if they can work it out. And more often than not, they will work it out between themselves. Yeah. And boys are like that, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty oh, sure I, boys... my brothers were like that, so... Yeah. I think boys are, are more prone to be able to do that than girls. Right. We can go hit each other and we're all good. <laughs> and girls are like, I'm not talking to I'm you for five years. I'm not speaking to you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and I think, again, it's come from... I have stepped in enough... Mm-hmm. And right. hopefully given them some tools and techniques to calm themselves down or know yeah. that they need to walk away. I mean, yeah. walk away is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully now they're getting to the point where they're just walking away on their own. Right. And I'm not having to put myself in this situation. Yeah. So it's, I, But it's been hard. It's so hard not to just hover and be the helicopter parent. Yes. Because eventually somebody's going to break their arm. Yeah. It will happen. It will. I think that's good, though, to just give them the option of, you know, this is what I think is probably the best thing for you to do, but I'm going to let you choose because, you know, those moments when they do have to stop and decide what am I going to do, they're Mm -hmm. more prone to think about it Mm -hmm. than to just act. So I think that's I think that's great. Well, it's it's been okay so far <laughs> until he decides, I'm going to keep sitting here. And then, right. oh, mm-hmm. I've fallen. Oh, I was going to say, I'll probably never sit there again. And maybe, maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. You should trial and error it. Go back to the park and <laughs> yeah, see what happens. Exactly. Well, I ended up, it's also near the dirt. Mm-hmm. And so that's really where he wanted to be. Oh, yeah. Was near the dirt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then rolling down the hill. That's another thing that I really have a hard time with. Dirt. Me too. I have mm-hmm. two boys who would sit and play in the mud mm-hmm. and dirt 
all day, every day, Mm -hmm. if they could. Mm -hmm. And I know it's good for them. I know (laughs) they need to do it. It's so much better than sitting in front of the TV. Mm -hmm. I understand all the benefits. Mm. But the first thing that comes to my mind is all the things I'm going to have to do when Mm -hmm. they walk back in the house. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So you've just created 15 jobs that I have to do. Exactly. Yeah, we, we now have dirt clothes. You can yes. put your dirt clothes on. Yes. Or you, your dirt and shoes. Not, and you know that I'm going to spray you down with the hose. Yes. So if you don't want the hose because it's cold <laughs> outside, don't go in the dirt. Don't go in the dirt. Yeah. That's just the rule. Like, you have dirt clothes and you have a hose. That's great. Dirt clothes. Mm-hmm. We well, have, it's because they brought a pair of clothes and now they are the dirt clothes yeah, because we, we live have in Oklahoma with red dirt. Red dirt. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we have play clothes and, and things like that that aren't school clothes, but I like the dirt clothes. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Well, my kids don't really do dirt anymore because they don't like the hose. They don't like the <laughs> Maybe I need to try that. <laughs> Although I have I mean, one that do. would love it. Okay, so. Collier will do it all summer long, but he, he won't do it towards fall or spring because he's like no it's gonna be cold oh yeah yeah i my Smart boys kid. my boys like being sprayed with water yeah so. i have one that does too so that wouldn't work but the other one doesn't so and he likes playing in dirt or he, or he prefers not to just get dirty at all he he doesn't look he loves to play in the dirt i have one that loves to play in the dirt but he hates water and so he doesn't like to be he doesn't like the wet mm-hmm. feeling then we have our oldest loves dirt, loves water, loves all things. Mm-hmm. He, there's nothing he doesn't like. And then JB, our middle boy, um, likes none of the above. He doesn't want to be dirty. He doesn't want to be wet. He plays basketball. Kind of he plays. stays on the porch if it's That's muddy. Right there. Yeah, I like that kind of kid. Yeah, he will change clothes five times in a day if he gets anything on him. So. <laughs> He does still require a lot of laundry because he'll yeah. change clothes all the time. But That's interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. You know, you think you you pigeonhole boys as all <laughs> wanting to be dirty, but there's, they're, they're not. They're not, and they're so different. Yeah. yeah. They're so different. So one really interesting thing, um, kind of tying in the, the boys and, and foster care um, and adoption We basically have two sets of kids, in a sense. Mm -hmm. We basically have two firstborns and two secondborns. Mm -hmm. Um, And the whole birth order thing is, like, true to a T. It is crazy. So Emily is a firstborn, Mm -hmm. and she is very typical type A, Mm -hmm. you know, leader, um, very motherly nature, nurturing. And then you've got Gabe, who is a natural secondborn. And Gabe is adventurous, fearless, not a care in the world, Mm -hmm. you know, social butterfly, just, I mean, it's so funny. And then we have JB, who is technically by birth a firstborn, Mm -hmm. but a thirdborn in -hmm. our family. But he's just like Emily in the sense that he is a leader. He wants to be in charge. He's that very organized, very clean, put together and then we have Bo, who is very much like Gabe in that in the second born thing. So it's really it's really interesting, interesting how it has played out like that, because their personalities are. I wonder where new it. ones gonna fit in. I have wondered that too. I'm not really sure. I'm kind of nervous, honestly. I'm kind of nervous that she's gonna be like our hardest kid. Oh, <laughs> but you know. Let me tell you, my third <laughs> baby was a hard baby for a few months, but he's been the easiest kid. Yeah. That he's just like whatever, whatever's going on. I don't care. Yeah. Just leave me alone. I want to be by myself. There are way too many people here. 
That's how our youngest right now is. Mm-hmm. He's always been the easiest. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe she'll just learn how to like go with the flow because she's kind of going to have to. Right? So they just have to. Well, we'll and she'll have a second mom in Emily. Oh yes, and because she's old enough to but that really also help. means that she could end up being like really spoiled, like. Yeah, so that's me. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm I'm the baby by nine and eleven years. Oh, My okay, sisters yeah. are a lot older than me. Yeah, which is really great, and it was also kind of detrimental for a while because um, my oldest, the oldest firstborn, type A, she for a lot for a lot of our relationship has been tried to be more of a mother figure right. than a sister figure. Yeah, and so for a while that caused issues. Mm-hmm. And now that we are older, it's gotten a lot better. But um, my middle sister and I, uh, we're much more, have always been much more sisterly relationship. And so I think, I think that type A sister and the baby, it can be really great. Mm -hmm. It can be really, really great. But when I got old enough to realize, hey, you're not my mom. You're my sister. <laughs> that caused problems. Yeah. Quit trying to be my mom. Right. It did. It caused problems. Yeah. But, I mean, we we eventually all grew out of it. Yeah. So, and she's my sister again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be very interesting to see how that goes. But I was the baby, I mean, I was like the live baby doll. Yes. And I got held all the time mm-hmm. because there was always somebody who wanted to hold right. me. And I got a lot of outfit changes. Yep. And I'm preparing for that. Yeah. And, <laughs> but I mean, they also had help with diaper changes. Yeah. And if I was fussy, they had extra hands. And so there's a lot of benefits, yeah. I think, to having that older sister help out yeah. too. So, and I probably was just kind of okay to go along because we were going and doing things with older siblings. So, I, I feel like when that happens, the baby just kind of adjusts and they can nap anywhere right, and right. Can, can go and do and be and not be as much of a schedule. Yeah. I mean, like... I mean, you have to. Like, that's one of my biggest concerns. I'm just wondering, how how's this baby ever going to nap? Because oh, we baby. can't stay home. We don't stay home as it is. And, right. the, you know, the big kids want to go and do stuff and... Sorry, so kids, it's nap time. Right. We have to hang out. We have to be really quiet. Doesn't no, work. it's not going to work. So work. hopefully she'll adjust to that. I'm sure she will. And they just wear around everywhere. Uh, that's, the <laughs> that's the plan. That's the plan. How can people who don't want to actually have children into their home, because me, it's not that I don't want to have children, it's that my house is just chaos already. Yes. How can we help you as yeah. individuals? How can we help the foster so I think that's huge. It's a huge topic to talk, to talk about. Um, I'll say when we first started the fostering journey, I was on this big kick of like everybody should foster because there's no reason why you shouldn't. If you, you know, if you have a, a house and you have a job and you have money, like you should just all do it. And that is not true um, <laughs> because that's not best for you. Mm-hmm. Not best for your family, and it's not best for the foster kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one thing that I think I, I think in the last few years, um, fostering has become one of those, I, I hate to even use this word, but 
it's kind of become trendy in some ways. Uh, it's become uh-huh. very popular. And in one, on one hand, that's good because we need foster homes. You know, there's uh-huh. always a need. And the more we have, the less um, struggle that comes in, in into working all those issues out. But um, if you want to serve, you don't have to be that home um, if you're not prepared to be that home because uh-huh. it is – trying and it's challenging and it's completely changes your life around. Mm-hmm. So there are tons of other ways. Um, there's a lot of organizations here in Oklahoma City that just allow you to volunteer your time, mm-hmm. um, that allow you to volunteer your resources. I know that when we were in Arkansas and we were serving through the call, we had a freezer in our garage and we would collect freezer meals to give to foster families. And so churches or... Oh man, I have a deep freeze. Yeah. I can do that. And I so, was just thinking that's a great opportunity yeah, right there. You know, some some women wanted to have like a night out mm-hmm. and so they would make freezer meals together and then they would put them in their freezers. And um, so we, we would collect meals like that. And then um, about once a month, we would post in our um, foster care page on Facebook and just say, hey, come grab some meals. And those foster families would come by our house and pick up freezer meals out of the freezer. And then, you know, there was a couple nights that week that they didn't have to cook dinner, mm-hmm. which is huge because when you are trying to work out behaviors and mm-hmm. routines, mm-hmm. the last thing that's on your mind is cooking dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's simple things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so freezer meals are huge. I know that there is an organization here locally called Safe um, Families. I don't know if you guys have heard of Safe Families. I have a friend who volunteers for them. And Safe Families is basically an organization that wants to to walk alongside birth families to help them um, not have to go through the foster system. So it's basically families who may be struggling with providing for their kids or maybe they're struggling with an addiction or, or something that's going on. Safe Families has um, families who will basically take care of the children in that home for a short amount of time until that parent can get back on the right track. So it's not so exactly, it, it's keeping them, pre-placement, mm-hmm. yes, it's keeping them out of the foster system cycle, because once you're in it, it's really hard to get it's out. It's really hard to get out, and there's all the paperwork, and the processes, mm-hmm. and the steps, and everything, but even within, say, families, with those families who help the birth families, um, those those families need help, too. They need resources. They need freezer meals. They need, um, just the other day, um, our friend was telling us that they were looking for just some, like, board games and things yeah. that they could have so that they would be ready when kids came into their home. Um, so just really basic things like that. Mm-hmm. There's several other organizations around the city who just work to collect donations, you know, whether it be gift cards for families to have dinners or I don't know if you guys have heard of respite care. Yes. Um, respite care is basically babysitting for a foster family, which is huge because um, it's not a huge. I totally do that. It's not a huge commitment. It's a, it's a small right. you know amount of time, you know where you're just babysitting so this family can go out to eat one night mm-hmm. or um, so that they can go take their biological kids to do something because. That's there's a strain on their kids too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that's a that's a whole nother level of mm-hmm. ministering to your kids while you're ministering to your foster kids. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I think those are some some practical things, the respite care, freezer meals, and then just looking, and I'll have to give you guys some resources that you could link with your yes, with yes, the yes podcast. please do. Because um, I know there are several organizations who take donations of toys and, and games and books and um, and things like that that um, really help with when they have visits between kids and birth families and, and just providing those resources for foster families. That's great. That's excellent. Yeah, we definitely need to share that information. Yes, yes please. And the book, too. Yes. The boy book. The yes. boy book. Yeah, the boy book. Sure. You know, as soon as I walk out of here, I'll remember, remember it. Exactly. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. So. You have lots of kids and you're pregnant, so the mind The will... mind is somewhere. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time to come talk to us. Yeah, no problem. I recently had a friend um, open her home to foster care mm-hmm. and helping her and kind of seeing her journey here has been really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. And she just got her first placement, I guess, a couple weeks ago. And it's very interesting because the mother of the infant is also in the foster care system. Yeah. And so it's like a double whammy. Yeah. And it's kind of opened my eyes. And I'm glad Denisia brought this up of how can we help, but I don't want to be a foster parent. Mm-hmm. I would be too emotional about yeah. the situation. Yeah. While, yes, you're right, I do have a home and resources. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't handle it. Yeah. Emotionally. Yeah. I, I could not. But I need... I. I feel like there is a place for me to serve this community. Absolutely. So I, I really appreciate it. And I'm excited to get these links to other people. Yeah. Do you have any words of encouragement you could give a family who is considering it? Or... Um, walking it right now. Walking it right now. <laughs> yeah. So for families considering fostering, I think I would just say to take a step back and look at... At your family first, um, that was one of the first things, which when we went through training, we didn't have any kids yet. So that was one thing we we didn't really have to take into account. But um, we were really encouraged through training to just to step back and be honest about what we could handle and what our kids could handle. Right. Because when you fill out the paperwork saying, yes, I will accept this and no, I will not accept this, you feel really guilty. Right. Basically saying, no, I can't do that. You know, mm-hmm. I'll take this, but not that. Right. Don't call mm-hmm. me about that. And so that that makes you feel guilty. But they just t- they talk about how important that is that you be honest. Because if you take in a placement that is beyond your ability to care for Mm -hmm. or your desire to care for, then you're probably creating just another jump for that kid Mm -hmm. because, you know, there's possibility that it wouldn't work out. That child would have to be removed again and moved to a different home. And we're just creating this cycle of change for, Mm -hmm. for the kid. And so I think just being honest and looking at your situation, but then also seeking out, seeking out community with other families who are doing this, I know that when we when we joined the call, we were part of a Facebook page, and um, we're actually still part of that page, and so I feel like I'm still kind of connected <laughs> to some of those families. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we 
people would post in that group of, hey, my kid is doing this and I have no idea how to respond. You know, have any of you ever dealt with this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Especially with the discipline yes. because of you having to be so yes. structured in how you discipline. Yeah. And so 10 people would respond, you know, with, hey, we tried this, we tried this, you know. And so that was just, a, even though it was just Facebook, like it was a community and it was encouragement and you you weren't alone. So I would, I would just say, you know, be honest and then seek out that community so that you're not alone. Um, as far as families going through it, I don't really know. That's, that's really hard. You know, we had a really unique situation mm-hmm. that Emily's rights were already terminated when she came into our home. And so she was technically pre-adoptive. And then Gabe, um, we did have to go through all of the court appearances with him because he was born after the fact. But even then, it was still on the road towards adoption. So our experience is a little bit different mm-hmm. than other families who have had, you know, lots of foster placements. But but we have been in circles and in community with other other friends who have walked through multiple placements and really challenging behaviors. And um, I think finding that community mm-hmm. is probably number one because you cannot do it alone. Right. Um, and so if you don't have that community, um, I'll put my phone number on the podcast and I'll help you find a community. <laughs> or you can just contact us yeah. and we can, yeah. we can share your information yeah. with Lindsay. Yeah. Don't be giving your no. phone number out on a podcast that goes nationally. Okay. And internationally. Well, I, would, I would just say um, find community because um, there, there's no reason to do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. There's um, no need to do it by yourself and, and you will you will burn out, burn out mm-hmm. so quickly. Um, and, and don't be afraid to ask for help. I'm one of those people that asking for help is like the hardest thing yes. to do. Yes. And, um, and I'm starting slowly, you know, almost to baby number five. And I'm starting to figure out that I need to ask for help sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the families right in the middle of foster care, they just, they need to ask for help. So that's excellent advice. Yep. That was excellent wonderful. Advice. Thank you for being on our podcast today. Yeah, Lindsay. no problem. This Thank you for having me. A fantastic conversation for Foster Care Awareness Month. If you have any questions, you can let us know on our Instagram at ladies.raising.lads. Also, our Facebook page, ladies.raising.lads. And we've gotten two emails this week. If oh we my haven't gosh. answered you, we were, we're going to do no, that. No, we did. I oh, did. Good. Oh, good. I answered. Jessica yes. answered. I, you have no idea, listeners, how excited <laughs> we get <laughs> we when were, we see we an email. Sharing. I know. We get the notification and we immediately like text each other. Did you see that we got an email? We got an email. Hooray. So um, we got some suggestions for future episodes. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I just want to say if you have questions for Lindsay, you can reach her through us. Mm-hmm. But So if you want to reach Lindsay about fostering, about adopting, about anything, contact us. We can get you connected with her. And I will say she's a great resource and a great person. So if you do need her, I know she will help you. We'll see you next week. Yes. 